back to the Leo Roundtable show. You know, David, I apologize that Andrea ate up all your time on that last segment. But yes, if you have, if you have any words of wisdom, share them. Share us. I'm sorry, Andrea, I couldn't resist. Well, the the only thing that, d- that disappointed me about that chip was the beginning. Number one, you you asked the wrong panel member to say Wonderlick. I'm just going to throw that out there and leave it lay. Um, if you wanted hits, anyways, um, it, it shouldn't have been John. Sorry, John. Love you, baby, but no. Um, you know, I encourage police officers, street officers to look at their options when they're involved in situations uh, where they have been wronged, where uh, civil action could be used in their cases. I know if you guys think back, you know, not to go into any detail about it, but we had some officers that got into a, a fairly decent scrap, I think, on the side of the road and ended up suing uh, themselves and, and got, got a payday off of a uh, a well-known person in, in Tampa. So it's not that it can't happen. Um, and I think, I honestly believe in this time and attitude of the country that police officers should start pushing back on it. I think it's a good strategy. Ward said it. it's a good legal strategy in a lot of cases, and I think they should pursue it. Wow. You know, it's uh, it's interesting. Um, and it was interesting what Ward said. I I, I don't know. I, I heard what, Andrea, I heard what you said. Um, I, I'm just kind of curious to see what the agencies, um, not just one single agency, but what agencies in general would say if their officers started following those kinds of suits. And are they even in a pres- position to really effectively prevent them from doing so? Because it's their constitutional right. So, Andrea? But I challenge people like Brett. Right, IA, you know, what do you say? There's a lot of times where people, stuff was brought to you and, you know, did you have people that you sit there and you think, you know, hey, is this a good career option or is it not? It follows you, supervisors look at you differently. You know, I ask you, Brett, like, do you not feel like, you know, there are times where you sit there and, and you wonder, you know, hey, this is something where you could file a lawsuit, but it's not gonna benefit your career. Well, I, I kind of equate it with what happened often in our careers when it's typically somebody yelled rape a, a, a police officer, right? A police officer raped me in the car and found not to be true. I can think of only one time where the police department actually went forward the lawsuit, not lawsuit, criminal charges to, to, to stop that. And the, here's the thinking. They were still going, oh, my God, is this the right? Because they were trying to say, well, if we do that, that might that might chill somebody else's ability to come forward and tell the truth. Well, who cares about that? If you're lying, you're lying. But I bet you, having been a suit, that some of those police partners would go to those people and go, listen, um, we don't want any negative waves. Just, you know, it's just, just let it go. You know, we don't want the, we don't want the hassle. We don't, you know, it just happened. But I, but I, I would be wrong. I would be wrong in that thinking. I'm just, I'm just thinking like a, like some of these agencies, I bet. I think, I think there needs to be a national wave of lawsuits against bad guys. I think we need to push back in a hard way because somebody's got to slap these people around. And maybe, maybe if we take a few bucks out off of them, take their car, take their hoopty wheels away from them, maybe they'll suffer a little bit. Because right now there is no suffering, even at the point where it's so far that there's no suffering, the cops are getting trouble for doing the right thing. Somewhere, some chief, some policeman right now needs to stand up. Maybe it's this guy we're talking about. Sue that guy. Take everything he owns. Take his underwear. Take his livelihood. 
and smack him around in a courtroom to send a message like like they try to send us a message. And we're I agree with that. And be proud of it, Brett, right? <laughs> I I agree with you. No, I, I agree really with think, you. I think that's a necessary. Go ahead, Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I agree with you, Brett, but you know some that... of these people, you know some of these people that still followed them in their career. One way or another, it still followed them, even if they have, you know, if they fought back and, and they they don't recover from that. Chief, I just think that's the next iteration. I, th I, I, I just think that's the next iteration for law enforcement is you're going to see it become a much more litigious. Officers are going to file more because they're not feel like they're not feel like they're not feel they're not getting support from their agency in some regards. And this would satisfy that. There needs to be a paradigm shift entirely, a 180 degree turn from what we used to do to what needs to be done now. Any cop, anywhere, anytime who gets assaulted by a bad guy, hurt by a bad guy, he needs to get a, a, a Ben Crump kind of a guy and sue and get on the news and go and, and, and have the policeman's family behind him, you know, behind the little table and everybody's crying. That guy hurt my dad and we need to get that feeling and, and it wouldn't take maybe much for that wave to get going because once a, once a police wave gets going, it's hard to stop. Let's sue somebody. Let's take somebody to court. Let's spank them. Well, Ward, Again, how I, do you feel about spanking, Ward? Well, <laughs> I think that a bigger impediment to suing bad guys, uh, a bigger impediment than how the agency may feel about it, is the fact that you, you will be hard-pressed to find attorneys who will take cases like this. That made the biggest problem. And maybe, maybe there could even be a police agency who funds such lawsuits against against bad guys. Because I I can't think of very many, if any, attorneys who are going to take a case like this without being compensated. You know, but, but Ward, you think about it. Ben Crumb, Ben Crumb made his bones with uh, Tavon Martin, right? And now he's the smartest attorney there is when it comes to civil rights. He's he's on the forefront. All it needs is a tipping point. Where you have several, like, and I think the officer in Louisville is a prime example. He went to work that day, almost died because he got shot in the femoral. And he is, but that that agency, and those officers in particular in that case, have been dragged through the mud that they did something wrong. They executed a, a legal warrant, and the guy got shot. So I I I, don't, I I get what you're saying, but I think it's only going to take a couple of really good cases. Those two cops in Philadelphia shot that guy because he had a knife. And I think these are this is going to be the tipping point where folks are going to say enough is enough. And I think you might find attorneys that are going to take that risk. I really do, because it's happening a lot more frequently than it's ever happened. There's a critical mass about criticizing law enforcement and agencies pushing themselves away from these officers to avoid certain liabilities. I, I think it's just a matter of time. Well, thanks, Chief. And uh, Ward, before you go, and I know we got David, uh, Producer Will, I'm sorry I saw your mic open earlier. Uh, did you have something that you wanted to tell us, I believe, right? Uh, yeah, Mike or Michael MVS just donated. Jeez. Beautiful. Michael, thank you. Now, Producer Will, I got a question for you. Did Michael MVS, did he have anything at the tail end of his post after when he made the donation? Any like catchphrase or anything? Uh, he said Trump 2020. <laughs> See, now I don't know if Will is a Biden guy or Trump. So I just want, in case he's a Biden guy, I just wanted to hear him say Trump 2020. So thank you very uh -huh. much, producer Will. <laughs> uh -huh. All right, guys. Well, look, thanks. Okay, uh, Ward, the floor is yours. And I know we got uh, 
Um, David and Brett are going to go. We've got guys. We've got roughly um, two and a half minutes. Well, in response to John, to me, the difference is money. Civil rights cases, these cities and municipalities and and counties are just doling out money in cases like this. So you, Ben Crump's making a fortune. Uh, if I could make a fortune off of police officers suing bad guys, you can bet I would do it. But I just don't think it's ever going to happen. Well, what if, what you know, agencies have police advisors. They have legal staff. Tampa has a good one. Mostly they deal with seizing cars. Why not, Chief, go tell your legal advisor, because you're already on the payroll anyway, pal. Go file a lawsuit against that guy right there. Right there. That guy that hurt my officer, go file a lawsuit. You're getting your 150 grand a year anyway. It costs you no more or less to have that guy file that lawsuit. Well, it'd be inappropriate for the city to expend funds for attorneys on behalf of individual officers. If there's a, right, cause, of right. if there's well, a cause of action on behalf of the city, fine. Then sue on the half, sue on, because the officer belongs to the department, then sue, uh, sue because of the department wants to recover. Can they do that instead of an individual? Say, you hurt my guy, that's my guy you hurt. I'm gonna sue you for that. Well, it depends on whether the city was injured or not. And if you can describe a way in which the city was injured that's legally recognizable, then well, maybe I, the city uh, the, the, the officer lost time. He's got he's got mental debt. He's got, uh, and, you know, this typical stuff that cops get accused of when they beat a bad guy. Typical stuff, loss, loss of consortium, family troubles, alcoholism, all that crap down the road. You hurt my guy, you're going to pay me for it. You, it's you really, it's really, and it's really not but, that difficult. You take an officer off the street. I mean, that's one more officer off the street because they're injured. It ends up being monetarily, it ends up being a pain in the butt. Every, everything that Brett just described is an injury to the cop, not to the police department. It, to Andrea's point, maybe there might be some damn economic damage to the police department that, that a lawyer could play with. Yeah, but at what point, it, and I'm not saying, it, it, I'm not saying this is a QB7 type situation, Ward with the Holocaust and all that. At what point isn't it just about the principal? That guy went to work. He executed a warrant. He got shot, and he's been the victim ever since on Major League Baseball, the NBA, the NFL, anyone that had a damn billboard. Who's going to arrest the suspects of Breonna Taylor? That cat went to work and got shot. I there's at some point, isn't it just get your pound of flesh? And I know attorneys don't get paid that way, but it almost is principled for me. Yeah, Got about thirty um, seconds, guys. Chip and I did a show about this. The exact same thing that the exact thing that that uh, Brett described, I did. So I had direct experience with everything that you're talking about, and it all comes down to what Ward said, and that's money. <clears throat> you can't squeeze blood out of a rock. Uh, and the rock that you're beating on is is that that worthless human being of a, of a bad guy that it, it just you know the, the attorneys that I had twisted it every way they possibly could to try to squeeze that that blood out, but it just uh, it's it's a difficult road to make it happen. Um, I'm with John and Brett about principle, but that's that's what. It All right, guys. Well, thanks, David. We'll come back in a second. We're going to take another commercial break. to take a moment and tell you guys about our friends at Extra Duty Solutions. Throughout my career, I've seen firsthand what can happen if a law enforcement agency's 
extra duty program is not given the necessary attention and resources that it requires. There's inefficiencies in detailed rewarding processes and payroll nightmares and collection costs can derail your staff's production and morale as well as jeopardize your agency's reputation. With proper oversight though, your agency's extra duty, off-duty employment program can be profitable. Extra Duty Solutions, they administer these programs at no cost to your agency or municipality while taking on all the administrative burden and financial risks, such as bad debts from unpaid invoices, and they float the cost. They utilize your agency's rules, processes, and scheduling algorithms to avoid grievances, and they keep the program fair and transparent. So the officers that are most eligible to work the off-duty assignments, they're actually the guys who get first crack at them. And Extra Duty Solutions has paid out over a whopping $50 million over the past 12 months, and they've never been late. So at no cost to your agency or municipality, the service is truly a win-win for your agency, customers, and most importantly, to the citizens of your community that you represent. I encourage you to visit their website at extradutysolutions.com. They are a new and more efficient way to administer your extra duty, and they have arrived. back to the Leo Roundtable show. Andrea Casal, did you have some comments for us on the last topic? Just real quick. I mean, I think the principle of the matter is most law enforcement officers aren't looking for money. We didn't go into the career looking for money. It's not about money. It is about the principle. It's about, you know, when, when things go wrong and when, when, you know, I mean, we're the first ones to be under fire. So at what point do you kind of fight back? And I understand, you know, and that's the problem is that Attorneys are looking for something that's going to kind of be beneficial in a different way where we would kind of look for something. Hey, look, this is just this is what's right. You know, principle of the matter goes a long way with us. I don't think any one of us is necessarily looking for the money. It's looking for what's right. And, and that's what a lot of these things come down to. Thanks, Andrea. All right, guys, all excellent input. We've got about 30 minutes left in the show. So moving right along here, we've got a lot of content to cover and a lot of videos I want to get to. Uh, we're on policeone.com. There's a video associated with this one. It's not the one that John Newman's waiting for, but hopefully we'll get to that one. But this one is a man fatally shot, charged at police with a metal rod. It is a wild video. Um, now, San Diego police officer, uh, I say Castillo shot Jose Alfredo Castro Gutierrez, he's 39 years old. This happened on Monday. It happened uh, 4.25 in the morning, of course, outside of a home. So, of course, everything, it seems like, happens around 4, you know, 30 a.m. Uh, Castillo, uh, Castillo has been on the San Diego Police Force for two years, and a resident calls 911 after Castro Gutierrez, who's a guest in the home, woke up the residents who described him as being paranoid. He ripped a metal curtain rod from a window and he used it to start smashing windows and items in the house. So a neighbor calls uh, 911 saying that the commotion sounded like someone was being tortured. Uh, so officers parked a short distance away. They gathered the resources, including a police dog, less lethal weapons. And when the officers approach the residents, they see our bad guy, Castro Gutierrez, through a front window, heard him yelling and smashing windows. He did not respond to the officer's commands and they were spoken to him in both English and in Spanish. So as officers took cover in hopes of uh, negotiating with this guy, he suddenly crawls through a broken window. He runs full speed towards the officers holding a metal rod in his hand. So Castillo fires his gun multiple times. Another officer is also firing a beanbound background at the uh, bad guy and a third officer fires a taser. So it's the trifecta. So Castro Gutierrez, our bad guy, is taken to the hospital where he dies. Uh, but yes, there is video on this. Uh, I'm curious to see what you guys think about it. 
And uh, David, you want to start it off? Uh, the, that that one paragraph that you read. Why, if you've got an officer that's that's employing deadly force, why are you firing a beanbag round at the guy? Why are you firing a taser? Why? What are you doing with that in your hand? Um, the the recognition. Uh, I, I think this goes back to that critical thinking <laughs> article we talked about earlier. Guys, recognize what, where you're at and what you're dealing with and respond appropriately. Uh, to, to do that is, is simply, and I'm sure someone like Ward's going to look at that and go, man, I, maybe I, there's some money to be made here. If, if this guy didn't think he needed to use lethal force and that guy didn't need, didn't need to use lethal force, but you did, man, there must be something wrong here. Um, get on the same page, do what you're supposed to do, do it correctly, and, and end, this, end that kind of crap. Now, David, don't 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 mute yet, because just for people watching our show, because I, I say um, everybody on the show pretty much tonight, I think I sent you guys some exchanges that I've been having on YouTube because, you know, we do get a lot of uh, um, exchanges with people who are not experts in the field. They don't they only know what they've heard or maybe what they've heard on the show. But David, explain um, if somebody was to watch the show and they and they heard what you said and they said, well, hey, uh, why not have officers with less lethal means, at, you know, as backups or something? And I, and I know what the answer is, but explain to these people why there was an issue with what was being done and the way that it was being done and cover the communication angle as well. Because when I watched the video, I did hear communication in the beginning about one one. One officer wanted to do the command thing, and of course they did talk in, in, in Spanish English, which I thought was great. Uh, but obviously the communication level between the guys with all the modes of uh, of, uh, of of force there there was I don't believe there was any communication going on there at all. But if you could explain that, that would be helpful. Well, the, again, using this situation in in particular, you have a you have a a person um, armed with a with a potentially deadly weapon who suddenly and very rapidly charges at officers that are on the street in front of the house. Uh, there's no hesitation, and the, the, the closure rate was, was very quick. You had no time whatsoever to communicate with your fellow officer. That's a, that, these are situations where it goes from trying to talk and perhaps having the ability or the opportunity to use less lethal de-escalation tactics, all that kind of crap. It goes from that to deadly force in literally less than a second. So to transition from one mode to the next, from less lethal mode to lethal mode, has to be done immediately. There's no discussing with your partner, we'll try to shoot him with the beanbag, but if you miss, he's on me and it's too late. So once deadly force becomes necessary, uh, the, the less lethal options are now below that on, this, on the pyramid, if you want to use that, of what do we do first? We try to de-escalate. What do we do next? We try to use non-lethal forms of, of uh, taking the person into custody. And the, the, the top of the, that peak, of course, is lethal force. And, but you can't use every step before you get to lethal force. It can go from zero to lethal right now and skipping all the, the parts in between or someone gets hurt, i.e. the police officers or a civilian on the scene. Uh, so the the less lethal less less lethal options were passed right then in the in the in the term of a second. Thanks, thanks, Corporal um, John and Ward. You guys have got less than a minute. You mean Dave? We couldn't shoot him in the leg. Just saying. Ouch. 
Ward? I, I think the answer to David's first point about being on the same page is answered by his second point. You got three officers, two are armed with non-lethal weapons, and one is. It all happened so fast that everyone just did the best they could. Right. And, and I know from experience that, I mean, how many how many cases do we see? And I, I'm going to have to take a break here in a second. But how many cases do we see where the officers like Brett will will swear they just their bullets don't find the target? And of course, and that's not even a malfunction or anything. So really, all their odds were on the one officer with the lethal, lethal force and it working. And you saw how the momentum the guy was carrying carried him forward after you know he was shot. So yeah, it would have been nice to have seen them have the officers go lethal when this guy was running with that, you know, when they had a lethal situation, if everybody would have gone lethal. But um, anyhow, we're gonna take another commercial break. We'll be right back in just a second. No matter how much you know about guns and ammunition, there is that knowledge gap that leaves you confused and missing the complete picture. GunLearn.com, they've taken the confusion out of learning and they've made it easy. GunLearn.com is the first and only company to offer a step-by-step -step program that takes you from your present knowledge level to become a safe, accurate, and competent certified firearm specialist. They provide citations from federal law and ATF rulings for every point taught to ensure accuracy, and their training is approved by major forensic organizations, law enforcement agencies, and firearm manufacturers. Since 1996, they've taught everything that Leos need to know about firearms and ammunition to all facets of law enforcement. Start today with online training or register to attend a live seminar. Get free training for yourself and your personnel by hosting a seminar at no cost to your agency. You can come aboard as one of the most firearm knowledgeable people in the world by joining the folks at gunlearn.com. And I know panelist Brett Bartlett did exactly that. Welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Show. And uh, Andrea Casal, any finishing words or uh, final words on that last topic? Yeah, just real quick, you know, at the beginning, they are communicating a little bit and you hear one officer say, just go. Well, I mean, if you would have taken just a couple seconds to kind of regroup, communicate there at the beginning, maybe they kind of gotten on the same page. You could hear glass breaking. This had been going on how long already? We had a lot of, um, I think we had a couple of different 911 calls that came in. So, I mean, if you just kind of regroup, even if it's brief, and just kind of get on the same page. It kind of looked like all of a sudden when they got there, some officers were already there. They were hesitant to go up. And then the ones that arrived afterwards were like, okay, let's go, let's go. Maybe take just a couple extra seconds and, and you know, regroup. I, I mean, it's obvious that he just ran out. He had something metal in his, in his hand. And I, I think that, you know, you have to have a decision made once you get up to the house like that, but they could have regrouped when they were back by those, those patrol cars. Thanks, Andrea. All good, guys. Well, look, uh, going to lawenforcementtoday.com now. There's an article on there that I like. Police union slams Minnesota governor after students forced to watch cop bashing video. I couldn't believe this when I saw it. Hopefully you guys watched it. Uh, Burnsville, uh, Minnesota. And the article says that where have we seen this before? You know, as a question, one of the largest police unions in the state of Minnesota slammed Governor Tim Waltz. Um, as his administration, uh, I'm sorry, and his administration this week for counseling teachers and parents to use materials which instill fear of police 
officers and their young children. So they were referring to a fourth grade class at Echo Park Elementary School in Burnsville, Minnesota, where students were forced to watch a video version of a book called Something Happened in Our Town, and it did not sit well with the Minnesota Police and Peace Officers Association, that's the MPPOA. So the book is written by a left-wing social justice warrior and accuses police of demonstrating a pattern of being nice to white people and mean to black people. And uh, some of the um, excerpts from it, um, the cops shot him because he was black. And um, another one says, uh, cops stick up for each other. And it's lamenting the fact that the uh, uh, fictional officer in the book won't go to jail. And then elsewhere it says, and they don't like black men. So according to uh, alphanewsmn.com, the book has been recommended by the Minnesota Department of Health and Minnesota Department of Education as a resource for children to have conversations about race. Uh, the letter from the MPPOA um, addressing the uh, the governor said. So anyhow, a uh, just a, a wild video. I, I was surprised to see it. So um, I, I, we got a couple open mics. Uh, the chief and the captain um, and Andrea. Yeah. Andrea, actually, you've got you've got the youngest kids. Andrea, do you mind starting it off? This pissed me off. I'm going to tell you right now. If this was shown in my kids' school, I, we I would be pulling them out. One thing that pisses me off is that this just divided us so much more than we have been you know in so long i sat there i watched the whole thing i don't know why i watched the whole thing other than just to piss me off even more and it, my kids already know i mean I, let me just tell you you know first of all like i said i've always said you know, we were not brought up to see race i don't see race um this just this makes us more divisive like there's there's no way in the world that you can sit there and you tell me that this is okay why in the world would any of these kids want to go up to a police officer and ask them for help it's it was complete bs i i was just completely appalled i was ticked off while watching it i was going to yell at you today i decided not to <laughs> but anyways i it just i mean if my kids were shown that the school and i we would be having a discussion i'd be done it would it wouldn't happen thanks chief newman Chip, this has to go through a process. You just can't say, hey, well, I'm going to roll this out because I feel like it, right? So there's a curriculum review, you know, and you have to wonder how much that has to do with, you know, Keith Ellison, the attorney general of Minnesota, who is a very, very much a progressive anti-law enforcement. Just look what he did with the recent, you know, Trump rally where only 250 people were allowed to be there. Yet 25,000 people lined up at the airport because he was just going to, you know, he, he, he was going to invoke his power of the Minnesota Attorney General. But these type of curriculum that are rolled out in our schools don't, it's not by happenstance. There's a process in a review board, usually at the school board level, and you want to hold those folks accountable because this is where it starts. How often have we said on this show or whenever we're at a party or talking to other people, we don't like when parents say, there's a police officer, be good, or he's gonna come and get you because then suddenly, we're the bad guy and the kid's never gonna come to us for his help. And yet you have a, an entire um, program in, in, in these materials that pretty much paint a biased picture of law enforcement for anybody of color. It's unacceptable, it's indoctrination at its purest form. And I just cannot believe you know that we're, you know, it, it, it was presented in a public school here in the United States, it's horrible. Thanks, Chief. Um, go ahead, go ahead, Catherine, and then Andrea. This is just a very obvious example of what has been a, a lot of subtleties, maybe not so subtle, going on in our schools the last 20, 30 years. And we wonder where we get to this position where socialism seems to be a, a popular thing and kids are writing and kids are, 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 are acting the fool. Well, where did this crap come from? 
it came into schools. So why maybe we're spending too much attention on the on the on the national level, the, the state. Maybe we pay more attention to the local level. Maybe more of us need to get on the school board, you know, and, and take over the school boards again, and maybe reverse this curve. Because if we don't reverse this course, when Trump wins to, tomorrow, whenever he wins, that's just one little victory. But they're still coming. They're not going to go away. They're not going to change their tactics. So this person brought this to light, but it's been coming for a very long time. Thanks. Andrea, you want to close this out on this? Yeah, I mean, it was also kind of confusing. They had kind of diff three different things going on, you know, in the story. Um, I almost had my kids watch it to get their opinion because they're, they're very strong-minded, and they would have definitely given me a good opinion. But what I thought was interesting is how they even depict the father in it, angry. Like, that's, that's, that's pretty telling. You know, he was very angry at the whole situation. And, like, come on. Like, they could have handled that differently in this. You're showing that it's an angry father who's sitting there saying law enforcement, you know, they're wrong. I mean, you know, he's, he just he wasn't even calm, cool, and collected in the, in the cartoon. Now, I, Andrea, I agree. The inflection that the narrator used, um, it really made it so much worse, you know, it, a lot more, a lot, a lot worse than it had to be. So, uh, yeah, he really ad-libbed a lot there. So moving along here then, and I know I'm going to have to take a, our last commercial break coming up in a second here, but we are um, still in police one. I'm going to kind of jump ahead so we get to another one of these videos. It's a police uh, shootout, and they wounded an armed man inside a Walgreens. Uh, I'm sure David had another opportunity to grind out a molar on this, uh, Modesto, California. So a body cam video released on Monday evening. Um, it shows a uh, Modesto police officer uh, in a shooting and wounding a suspect inside of Walgreens. The footage indicates that Daniel uh, Oschlager, so uh, Brett, I think it's like Goldschlager, but it's Oschlager. So and, and Brett and I have a history with the Goldschlager with, with, with somebody that will remain nameless. But anyhow, this um, guy was 30 years old, held a handgun as he was being chased through a drugstore and going through the aisles. This was going on about 4 p.m. in the afternoon, so in broad daylight on October the 21st. Uh, uh, yeah, on, on the 21st. So a bad guy was wounded in the right ear uh, by a single gunshot that could be heard on the video, and he was arrested on charges that included assault on a police officer. The officers involved were Justin uh, Kanatsi and Martin Loomis, and it, our bad guy had been a passenger vehicle that Kanatsi, who's a gang officer, had stopped for speeding earlier. So Kanatsi, the gang guy, he sees our bad guy had walked into a Walgreens. So the officer goes inside to investigate. The video shows uh, the officer contacting the suspect, who then starts to run away. But the whole time he's contacting the bad guy, bad guy's got where his hands? They're in his pockets. And so I was waiting for like another thing, like the like the last one we had, and the guy out in the, on the. Uh, on the nature walk when that thing went south in Hillsborough County. So he's seen um, running and then he falls on the floor and then the gun comes out. And so, but he gets up and he runs away and the officer's yelling for him to drop the gun and he's running into a crowd of Walgreens turning corners and I'm expecting the officer to pull the trigger, David, he never does. Uh, so the shooting um, finally happens um, next to a display of greeting cards um, as the bad guy appears to be hiding behind some shrink wrap, uh, wrapped cartons on a, on a pallet. And so Lemus, um, another officer, had arrived, and he's actually the guy that fires a shot from a distance. So it's not even the guy that was chasing him. Um, so uh, Oschlager, the bad guy, surrenders. There's a streaming blood running down from his head. And uh, police said last week that he was a transient and a history of armed robbery, theft, and drug offenses. And the bad guy was treated for his wound in the shooting, in the shooting and remained in the county jail. So 
that's the way this went down. We got roughly about um, 30 seconds, Chief, but I'm sure we'll be coming back to it. So um, take uh, 20 seconds or so, Chief, and we'll uh, we'll cover it. We'll continue to cover it. Go ahead. Before we go to break, I want a lot of people to think about this. This is what happens when you question what law enforcement does with an armed suspect in spite of body camera and all the evidence there. I, I spoke with Dave before the show about this. I truly think this is a case of this guy not wanting to shoot this guy in fear of reprisal as to what happened. That officer should hit his knees. He's lucky he went home that night because that guy got the drop. Thanks, Chief. We're going to take another commercial break. We'll be right back in just a second. The Viridian Fact Duty weapon-mounted camera idea was actually born when the company owner and employees watched as communities around the country were literally being torn apart and burned down over the lack of evidence and multiple officer-involved shootings. They use existing patented technologies and innovative design to create the Fact Duty, that's the F-A-C-T Duty, which has become the only gun camera in wide use by law enforcement across the nation. The gun camera fits standard police duty weapons and holsters and records automatically when the officer's gun is pulled from its holster, provides an unexpected view of critical use of force events from the end of the firearm, which overcomes inherent issues with body cameras, as we've already covered in stories today. Uh, body and dash cameras were not designed to capture officer-involved shootings. However, the Viridian gun cameras were designed specifically for that purpose. The uh, fact duty employees a 1080p, full high-definition digital camera with a microphone and a 500-lumen tactical light. Viridian's proprietary incident-on technology means that the fact duty generates just a small fraction of the data that managed compared to other law enforcement recording options because it only records when the officer's weapon is actually drawn and resulting in significantly lower comparative data management costs than other evidentiary camera systems. Data is stored securely and easily transferred per agency protocol with existing software technology. You can get more information on the fact duty uh, by going to gun-camera.com. Back to Leo Roundtable, Chief Newman. The floor is yours. I'll make this brief. A few months ago, we talked. We we saw a video of Arizona. They're at they're at, they're at a house executing a warrant. They open the door. The guy's there with a gun. They got their guns drawn on in a low ready, and he's still able to get one of the guys right in the chest. A week ago, we saw a guy wrestle with a guy on the ground. A guy comes out with a gun, and the officer shoots him. We're saying that's how fast the reaction time is. This guy chased this guy down aisles. Of a, you know, of a Walgreens. You know, the only thing separating him from getting shot is like the Dr. Scholl's foot powder and like, you know, stupid condiments and stuff they have at Walgreens that you need. No, there's nothing really tight. It's not a concrete wall. That officer's lucky that guy didn't wait for him when he turned the corner. I don't know what he was waiting on. He did everything right. As soon as he said, put your hands out, the guy, he, you know, he bounces and we're, we're on to a he should have shot the guy. He's lucky to be alive. I can only think that he was worried that something bad would have happened if he would have shot the guy. And that's what David hey, and I Chief talked Newman. about before the show. What Chief Newman, what would have happened if he would have taken a round the corner, shot a oh, citizen? Stop or stealing my stuff. Stop stealing my lines. That's I, what you need I to promise stop doing. I, I promised I promised the aggressor that he could handle all the uh all the uh stuff about the hostage. But you're right. It's a hostage-rich yeah. environment. I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it, first off, what, what John said was 
was was on the mark with the should have taken action at the moment that the firearm became a threat. And secondly, you let this guy wander through a Walgreens looking for a hostage. I mean, he was going down. He must have gone down how many? Three or four aisles with this cop turning blind corners behind him as, as he's chasing him and yelling at him to, to, to stop or drop the gun or whatever. And still at the very end, he was not even the, the officer that, that shot the guy in the aisle as he was. And when he was shot, the, the second officer that finally came up saw him and shot him. The bad guy had stopped and was hiding in among some stuff that was in an aisle for what reason? Waiting for the officer to come around the corner this time? Looking for, I mean, and the other officer came up and, and shot the guy from a distance down another aisle. At least it appeared to be a distance. Only wounded him. Almost made a nice headshot. I think winged him, grazed him in the ear or something like that, but, but still stopped the situation. Uh, if th that officer needs to go home and look at him, look in the mirror and look at his families in the face and go, okay, am I doing the right thing here? Uh, if, if you are that afraid to take the appropriate action that you need to take on this job, then we need to go back to some of the other episodes that we have had about deciding what you're going to do with, with what's left of your life. Uh, because the inability to act in those types of situations is going to cost you or another person their life. Uh, a hostage, another officer that he runs into, um, it's just, that is just a bad situation all the way around. It's time for some soul searching. From the top so David, down, David, fire—is it a train? Can you can he be saved through training or fire this guy? <clears throat> no, there's there's you don't need to fire this guy. This is this is something that he needs to internally work out. And if if and for whatever the reasons are that he has, which I'm not going to, the reasons are real. The reasons that he acted the way he did are real. With the, everything that we've seen that's going on in this country having to do with law enforcement from the top down, those are real issues that these guys are dealing with, guys and girls on the job are dealing with. The, the crying girl from the McDonald's drive through to this guy, um, they're all dealing with it, and they're all real. Um, but it's time for some soul searching from the top down to decide are you just going to send these guys out to slaughter or are you going to start taking some action that is going to fix this issue? All right. Thanks, David. Andrea closes out real quick. I got five minutes left. I got one more video. We've talked about this time and time again. You know, it ends up being the underacting. We're going to see it more and more now. I think a lot of it is if departments aren't backing these guys up or if they're afraid of their department, they're not going to trust in them. They're going to underact. This was one of those scenarios where I'm watching it and it was just cringeworthy. You know, you kept kind of like every time you turn around, you're sitting there thinking, oh, great. You know, he could have shot somebody else. I mean, at that point, why, why in the world would he not have jumped behind the counter you know, where all the cash is at, the fact that how many, you know, armed robberies has he had and, you know, what, what would, why wouldn't he have done, you know, just done that? So, I mean, I sat there and I watched it and I thought, man, you had a good shot right there. Why didn't we take it? But, you know, we're going to see more and more of this underacting talked about it. You know, we keep talking about it. We're going to continue to talk about it until we get these departments to back these guys up. 
Thanks, Andrea. All right, guys, our last one and last video. And look, I I, I realized um, during the show that I did not upload to our Facebook page links to all these stories. So as soon as the show's over, I apologize to our audience. I'll get that on our Facebook page so you guys can check out all the stories, the videos, uh, so you don't have to wait till Will puts them on during the week. So now we're on police1.com. Body camera footage of an armed homicide suspect shot in California. It's been released. So a stock demand suspected in a double homicide in Modesto. He's holding the same gun that we used in the killing uh, when he was shot by Modesto police officers. His name is David Cummings Jr., 27 years old, shot multiple times by four officers on October the 20th, and he's still in the hospital but expected to survive. Shooting occurred in Sherwood Park um, in Stockton when the officers went um, uh, to arrest him for the murders of Brandon Wheeler and Amelia uh, Natalie and attempted murder of Jimmy Sullivan. So before the detectives went to arrest Cummings, they were aware of his violent criminal history, told by witnesses uh, that he said he had nothing to lose and would not go back to jail. I mean, how many times have we heard that? Uh, Cummings had recently been released from a 64-month 64 64-month uh, prison term for firearm and drug charges, and he's also been arrested for suspicion of shooting four people. One died. Uh, so the body camera uh, video from the officer-involved shooting starts with several officers inside a vehicle, and they're rolling up to bail out to grab this guy. Okay, ready, ready, and so they're armed to the teeth. So the car, the van rolls the, uh, rounds the corner, and the uh, guys bail out. There's a flashbang that goes off as a, a diversionary tactic, and Cummings runs out of the passenger side of the vehicle, runs to the park, and uh, he's got a gun, and the shooting goes down, and the officers are yelling commands. Of course, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't, you know, listen to them. So I got the names of the officers, but I don't have a lot of time. So we got um, little, a little over three minutes, barely. Chief Newman, why don't you start covering this for us? I'll go really quick. Well prepared. You and I, everyone on this panel knows darn well there was a briefing. This is what this guy's history is. This is what he usually carries. They got the tip of the spear inside that van. They knew exactly what their objective was. They bail out. He takes off running. All the intel's correct. I bet you they had a great intel briefing. He's got a gun on him. That cat wastes no time taking care of business, stayed in the pocket, did what he had to do, and he lived. Maybe we didn't hear about this because he doesn't have a mental health crisis and he already killed two people and he's a really, really bad guy. But those guys in that car were probably the tip of the spear, knew exactly what they had to do, and sure as heck, that guy did exactly what they anticipated and what they prepared for. Lights out. I thought it was a great, great video to show. I think it's a great training video. thought they did a great job. Wow. Hey, did riding in that van bring back any memories, uh, Chief? Come on. I know it did. They said there just weren't any, any puddles and it wasn't raining, you know. But besides that, yeah, it was pretty good. So, Cor Corporal David. What? Puddles? Raining? No, I never. Don't even talk. I don't know what you're talking about. And it's not on video either. Um, you know what John said? Here you got here here you got a group of guys in this van that are are what you want in that van when you're pulling up on that car. Uh, guys, I, I don't know what the, the makeup was. No offense, Andrea. Guys, girls, all the above. But as John said, the tip of the spear. These guys know what they're doing. They know what they know what they're there for. They're not in a Walgreens uh, playing patty cake with some guy that was with some armed guy. This guy comes popping out of the car. He's got a gun. And he, he goes through the dirt, and I mean as quickly as they can acquire the target. Um, I won't say they stayed in the pocket. I think it was a scramble. I think it was a scramble uh, play. But other than that, you can't ask for any more from, from cops on the street. Uh, they, they did it right. They did it in the right place, and they did it under the right circumstances, and they made it happen the way it should have. So uh, kudos. That's how you do cop work on the street with bad guys, very bad guys that are armed.
Yeah, you know, got a uh, got exactly a minute left here before we do our, our sign off. But, um, you know, I thought there was great um, communication from the driver, letting the guys know, you know, where the, where the bad guys are at. I mean, letting the guys in the van know, and, you know, because they got to be able to deploy at the right moment. And of course, our guy in the back, you know, with the with the um, with the long gun, you know, he had the guard, the door jar. He has to wait till, you know, the driver stops where he can bail out. He's got to get a beat on the bad guys. So yeah, just great communication all the way around. It was really, it was really fun and brought back some memories it's, watching the communication. Yeah. These guys have been working together for a while. Yeah, there's your point. These guys have been together. It's not. A, I don't think in this case the communication was was minimal, but it was critical. It was all the right stuff. There wasn't a lot of talk, but it was the right stuff, and it was said in the right way. And then it that translates into a into a, a an execution of the right way. Well, thanks, David. I'll, I'll just throw out that if it was if it was Captain Bartlett in the band, he he would have needed just one shot. That's all I'm gonna say. So, um, ADL. That said. Hey, um, great show. Thank you to our panelists for uh, for being here, guys. It's uh, It's been a, a great evening. So I do want to give credit to our sponsors. We've got uh, Column Case Management, Extra Duty Solutions, Guarding Alliance Technologies, GunLearn.com, Inverting Weapon Technologies with a gun mounted camera. Thank you very much. Hey, we're syndicated to Boss Hog Radio and Good Talk Radio. Thank you so much, guys. Empowered by Pexip. Hope everybody has a fantastic week.